Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. Turn this on. Oh, look, we're live. Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know. A fall edition. Autumn has arisen. Catholic stuff. Arisen. I should know. Teach me. Arisen. I, arisen. Yeah, fallen. Fall, fall has <laughs> fallen, fallen upon us. Yeah, I think fall falls. <laughs> Did you get sense. to go peep any leaves this year? That's what they call it, leaf peeping. It's I don't know what that is, but it makes me yeah, a little uncomfortable, really uncomfortable when you ask that. Yeah. No. Did you? Uh, did you get out to leaves? the mountains and see any of the leaves this year? Oh, I see. Oh, you know what? I didn't check levels. Should we me have neither. done that for sure? Oh, we're good. I'm checking. Are right we close? Now. We're good. Okay. Looks good. Uh, no, you know what? I didn't peep leaves. Is it too late? Um, not down here. I'm kind of mountains like... Mountains are pretty... We've got snow coming in like two days. So I've been be training, triathlon training, so I um, am just so locked in and zoned into that when I get free time I that I, I forget to do these things like go up to the mountains. I did... I was kind of anticipating the snows falling so that I, yeah. the ski season is coming and I love that. Kind of hiking around in that snow. How much are you running every week now? Then, if you're on a triathlon, no. I, yeah, I'm running. You're running. I'm running. You're running. You're swimming. You're and biking. I'm swimming and I'm biking. All right. In and out of the gym. It's getting cold enough where I got to spend <laughs> in the gym. And that's not my favorite, but yeah. Um, let's see. What else? I don't know. Are we, you peeping these? <laughs> I, can I really? Did who, you came up with? No, that. I did not. You made that's, that up. It's people have been saying that, and I don't like it either. So that's why I brought it up. <laughs> I don't know. They call it leaf peepers. The people that it, mostly you have to take pictures. Honestly, or you mostly have to where I hear it said around. is people kind of like uh, frustrated that I seventy traffic is so bad because all the leaf peepers are going to look at the leaves. Uh, so it might just be like a little bit of a. Like a derogatory term. What is a peep exactly? Peeping with your eyes, like like looking. Yeah, but it's like squinty or... I don't know. You're trying to like... It's, what's it's the, just what's like the a Greek, little... What's the Greek little, uh, uh, root of peeping? Yeah, check the etymology <laughs> here. It's just a little glance or something? Yeah, I don't know. It's it's almost like a shy, secret thing, isn't it? <laughs> so you have to hide behind one tree yeah, and... You can't let the leaves see you looking at them. So. Yeah, there's a peeping Tom <laughs> who comes around and he's to look quickly looking, but he's not supposed to. And furtively at something. Oh, there you go. Yeah. I don't like the use of it. I so was, it's, it's, you, it's you go up to the mountain, you peep the leaves, Real quick, and then you and come then back. Out. Yeah, I see. I don't know. I don't like it. Well, I do love seeing leaves <laughs> change their colors. and It's one of those things that reminds me, recently it's reminded me of, what would you call that, the opulent grandeur of creation? Like, uh, why did God have to make it so beautiful for these leaves to fall? Yeah. I understand they lose their, their chlorophyll and borophyll, but they... They could do that and look ugly rather than... That's it. Magnificent. You just turn gray, fall. <laughs> Death. I mean, why they have to go reds and gorgeous, yeah. even purples in places and stark yellows. Yeah, I'm sure somebody has some sort of uh, evolutionary or biological explanation for it. But I'm well, much, yeah. So that's the other thing yeah. is like because it's not like a fruit where it attracts somebody. Yeah, the leaves themselves are just or like a duck yeah. that attracts a mate that way, and all the animals. Yeah. Trees aren't. See? I guess maybe the ants and the ant wives. Maybe that's the ant wives got lost in Lord of the Rings because the ants weren't turning red. Oh, or know. like attract squirrels to <laughs> live in you. Or I wonder gnomes. if there is something or about do that. Gnomes live um, in trees. Oh, you'd know. You're the the Norse mythology. Oh, 
No, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I remember there was like a cartoon that my brother and I used to watch called Land of the Gnomes, <laughs> and they lived in trees, I think. Yeah, I don't know. I pr- much prefer the great artist who just says, I'm going to do this every fall. I don't know why. Yeah. If you're a, uh, is it horticulturist? I think so. Arborist? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. If you know, if you know about trees. trees and why mm-hmm. they turn colors, let us know. Oh, yeah. No, I think I, I, do they don't have know. to be mutually exclusive. I'm not one of these. They usually like, are both, right? Like evolution is wrong and scary, or we <laughs> have to be threatened by any of that. Um, but I do like to just think, yeah, God is cool too. He's a good artist, and maybe you the way to, to express it is just as things evolve toward their end, whatever that is, it's often toward something more beautiful. I don't know. Is that true? There was probably some pretty cool things back yeah. in the dinosaur days. Oh, of course there was. I don't know. Ferns and stuff. Okay. Man, we well, are off to left field. I'm not peeping. races. Hey, speaking of which, <laughs> I actually did want to talk to you about um, uh, Little League Baseball. Oh, sweet. This is fun because we, we haven't really hung out in a month. And yeah. you're not teaching any of my classes anymore. So I see you like twice a month at companion stuff but uh, it's true so the podcast really is fun because then we you, just man. we hang out so this is just gonna be banter let's go yeah probably We're a catching lot of up. i actually i do have a topic I like it's about vestments but whatever. <laughs> yeah, whatever we'll get there eventually i like that we uh we didn't talk that much before starting recording because now it's just catching up with a microphone i like that you know and i don't i don't feel like i have to apologize no you know we just recorded 600th episode you did with olo that was supposed to be us by the way right but uh, right thank you actually no. deacon <laughs> um jacob allowed olo and i to do the 600th he stepped aside it's only right and just and passed it because we had been doing the podcast longer yeah. i guess right for sure and, and he was, he was in town you guys had a stronger i mean i know olo but father michael lachlan but um i made the mistake though of jumping into the podcast without asking father michael if he was aware that we were doing the 600th episode if he wanted to do that (laughs) and so since i didn't actually like introduce that and didn't want to make him feel nervous or self-conscious or we have to keep it on point or whatever it was just didn't even let it be known i didn't think to yeah you know, it wasn't like I was real calculated, but then I am kicking myself in um, hindsight or is that retrospect? Both. Because it means the same thing. Why do we have two words? Okay. Um, <laughs> because we didn't make a deal of it. We didn't even like talk about how this is 600. Well, now we get to make a deal of it. Go back and listen to that one. Unassuming Catholic stuff you should know rolling in 600 yeah. with a throwback. All right, well, uh, <laughs> boom, 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 boom. Got it. <laughs> Fireworks. Bang, 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 bang. <laughs> 600. I feel like 500 is like a bigger milestone. So 600 is, it's a round number. Yeah, but we're, we're 100 towards the next big milestone of 1,000. It is a lot. 750. 750 would be a big one. How long is that? 12, 12 years. If you're doing four, it's 52 a year. 52 a year. So four, four years every 100 or so. Wow. You know, um, How many I'm years? proud of the show. I'm happy that it's helping people. <laughs> I think it's been a lot of fun. It's cool to have you guys on now and sort of see some kind of just the waves, generations, the 
voices and it's just cool and you guys are doing a great job and um even like the idea that when we had started you guys were what in high school listening to the show when you guys started i it was 07 no sean was definitely because he's he's younger than you was it 07 we started in uh, 2010 i had just started college uh, second year of college oh wow actually j10 did you ever listen to this I did. Yeah. Uh, J10, I would have been, yeah, the spring, my freshman year spring. Wow. Yep. It's cool. Yeah, I mean, the time has gone. Of college. Um, Sean was probably in third grade. Yeah. Wow. 15 years ago. I know. Oh, well, he was it's older cool, than that, though. But, I, feel, yeah. I feel pretty awesome about that. It's really. pretty cool. You know? It is. The generational thing's really cool. That's um, cool. I've been I've met so many great fans and cool people. There's still people who come up at the cathedral. I had this lady and I I don't know how to say this stuff without any arrogance or whatever. <laughs> but I don't love it, so it's I don't think of it that way. But there was this lady and she was practically shaking. She was so excited to meet <laughs> me on Sunday and she said it was a surprise because she wasn't tracking me down. And we don't mm. list like who's which priest is on which mass at the cathedral. But she started hearing my voice and said, what? I, I know that's him. Father Mike from the <laughs> podcast. And, I, and she had listened for years. And I'm just happy. We have the greatest fans ever. Well, I'm going to throw, throw this out. It's actually a, uh, it's a shout out and a kind of apology because... We, we, Shoutology? A shoutology. There's a guy named Caleb who actually lives across the street. From here? From here. Oh. We're at the Companion's house. And he had heard where the companion's house is on one of the podcasts, I guess. And I think he, he realized this was like in the summer. He goes, that's, I think that's like right across the street from me. <laughs> and we were at, uh, tell so him to come over and well, smoke a stogie with what us. I was, after that's, Lord's Day. that's what I was saying. Yeah. I, this is the apology part. I was out on the front porch with my fraternal group at association Lord's day. And he walks by and then he like comes back real quick. He goes, are any of you guys on the podcast? <laughs> Yeah. And and uh, Deacon Ryan goes, no, well, actually, because <laughs> I was sitting right there. And so I got up and like introduced myself, said hello, you know, chatted with him. I want to apologize to Caleb. I did not receive you very well because I was in the middle of fraternal group. We were like talking, uh, sharing, yeah. sharing our lives, the, the, me and the other three companions in my group. Um, and I was tired at the end of a week of school and stuff. So uh, all those excuses aside... I should have been more excited because it was really cool to just have you be like, dude, this is awesome. Yeah. So Caleb, shout out. Um, yeah, come swing by, say hello again, <laughs> and uh, send an email. Love to grab a, a beer or coffee with you. Cool. Um, CatholicStuff at gmail.com. I don't know. Catholic <laughs> Stuff Podcast at gmail.com? Catholic Stuff Podcast at gmail.com. It's something like that. Um, After only, 600. the only one. I don't really cite that stuff. <laughs> Gobes was always good at that. Johnny, but Olo yes. and I were never good at that. I just thought that was really that. cool that there's a guy who lives uh, in the apartment it's across awesome. the way. It's he's awesome. been listening. For, he said he'd been listening for a while, and so I was way more excited. And I told people that I met you, Caleb, and that was a cool experience. I don't think my excitement came across when I was introducing myself to you. <laughs> Shoutology complete. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, fraternal group is pretty intense, as you might know from listening so so much. We talk about our our groups for sharing, and you're sharing some of the deeper stuff, sometimes the best, sometimes the worst, and they can be just, you're, you're kind of locked in, so you're not ready for like 
hey, what's up? Surprise. Yeah, yeah. it was just a, yeah, it was kind of off the. Ooh, what's going on? Yeah, Catholic stuff podcast at gmail Hey, I got it. You got it. Come uh, on, shows you so. how often I email them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, so uh, little league. Uh, yeah. I was just kind of thinking about Little League. Father, uh, Father Bob Raycraft, I play poker with the old guys. I probably talk about this yep. all the time. And one of them, Father Bob, he loves w- watching the scores for the baseball. And so he told me that um, Philly is po- poised to beat Arizona, and we watched the last inning or whatever. Yeah. And that's right? They were poised to, but uh, Arizona beat them. That's what it was. Arizona, yeah, they uh, Arizona with the worst record coming into the playoffs. That's what came, it was. They came back, upset Philly. That's what yep. it was. We watched the last inning <laughs> of the upset. I'll say it that way because I haven't followed enough. Ayo, but it's got me thinking on baseball and reminiscing. Oh yeah, nostalgic little league days about all the things that I love. Um, hitting the cleats with the bat. Oh yeah. The feeling of clink, the pants clink. and the jersey and how it's kind of cool. Do you wear the stuff. high socks or down at your ankles? No, high. Yep. Oh, yeah, I'd go high socks. But I don't think it was like a, even an option otherwise <laughs> at the time. It okay. was just everybody's doing the same thing. There was like this transition at some point from a, like a soft cleat to a metal cleat. Oh, yeah. And then you had 13 arrived. 13 or 14 depending oh, yeah. on your league. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, right. So it was regulated. Yeah, because yeah, the, the metal cleats are a little more dangerous. Um, they can cut. Yeah. And so I I think I was in Babe Ruth, not Little League, and at 13, my league allowed them. I don't know. What's the difference, um, Little League and Babe Ruth? They're just the overall organizations. They're both national. Oh. So okay. Little League's the bigger one. You get the Little League. I'm not even little sure league which one I did then. Thing. But yeah. Babe Ruth is the same premise. Um, okay. So uh, flipping down the catcher's helmet. I was catcher. Oh, and you, it was cool to just flip it down. You could do it with your head. Had it on the. You don't even have to yeah. use your hand, but you can do that. Um, calling, got it. I got it. <laughs> and then, like, you wave your arms like this, <laughs> like out, and then you catch it. Even though no one is even close, <laughs> you know, there's no one within it's only you fifty feet, and you got to call it. I got it. Yeah. Isn't that right? Yeah. What did you play? What position? Second base, principally. Yeah. I was a catcher growing up. Catcher, second base, shortstop, and pitcher, but I was uh, I was best in the field, so I started getting less time catching or pitching and playing second okay. or short. Um, and then once I hit about ten, I was pretty much second base, and that was all uh, the way through uh, sophomore year of college. When I don't want to get into that, that's my sad moment. My Francisco University cut the baseball team. My oh. sophomore year of college, and there's a whole Sorry, bunch dude. of whole bunch of backstory there. I, don't I want, thought you were saying I don't I, want to get into baseball. I don't want to. I don't want to gripe about that, but I loved it. Um, second base, shortstop. There's always there's like groupings of positions where you kind of like you're you're generally closer with the other guys. So like second and shortstop was kind of like a unit. Your pitchers and catchers were a unit. And then kind of like your outfielders are a unit. First and third base kind of just left out to dry. But <laughs> second um, is like. What I liked about shortstop, I never played second base, but I did play yeah. some shortstop. Was this? You get this kind of like nervous excitement, mm-hmm. like every like pitch. butterfly, every pitch, because yep. they come in hot. Yep, when they come in at shortstop oh, yeah. and second base. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I was I was just telling something guys. Uh, Ryan um, Wench played. He was a really good high school pitcher. Mm. I think he ended up throwing out his uh, rotator cuff. Oh, bummer. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, he was he was hucking low nineties, so he was he was good in high school. That's good. Um, yeah, but I was yeah I was kind of reminiscing with him at lunch the other day. Uh, oh, that, was, that was pretty fun. Big League Chew. Do you got a favorite? I used Big League Chew every so often as a kid, but we were always sunflower seeds. Teams. Sunflower seed. You got a favorite? Just the classic David sunflower seeds, what we grew up on, and then no flavor. But then. Uh, by the time I hit high school and I was kind of picking my own, it was spits and I'd switch between salt and pepper. Okay. We didn't have spits around. It was just David, but yeah. you could get like barbecue or yeah, I didn't, the barbecue salt. was always like, they were good initially. And then they just like, cause I put a whole oh, yeah, bunch you in the, the cheek and I, the barbecue just didn't. And the ranch was always gross after a little while. Yeah. Uh, I'm no, I'm with you. I, you got to go straight salt, spitting those things in the dugout, <laughs> even just like a dugout. Yeah. Is just a cool Did you memory. have like a, a in your league were you whether little league or Babe Ruth, did you have like a like your top tier field, like the the best field in the league that you always grew up like being excited to play at or was it just kind of all generic? Oh. Well, I played I can't remember that. I played at um St. Mary's. Have you been over there and seen the, the ball field the parish. at the parish? Yeah. Yeah. That was just part of, I don't even know if it belongs to St. Mary's, but it was used by the league. The league I think it was called Arapahoe yep. League. And they have like upper and lower fields. So there's like two fields that you got to walk down all these steps mm. and go down like um, to the other side of the river. And then the upper fields. And I always felt like the upper fields, the lower fields didn't have any lights. And the upper fields were also closer to the parking lot and had bigger <laughs> bleachers. Yeah. So it was like when we got up there, then you had arrived. Okay. And maybe they had like maybe the tournaments and stuff okay. on the upper fields. Yeah. But I remember we did a, one of the Frasati Sports baseball camps they did over there. I, yeah. I was, so I've, I've got it visualized now. But we would go around to other parks yeah. too. But that's the most memorable for me. Yeah. Was, the stuff at St. Mary's. We had our uh, our Southeast Denver Baseball League was located really close to where I grew up, but the Holly Hills baseball field. There was this three-field complex, and two of them, I think, were city-owned or maybe even owned by the, the organization. And then the third one was like the small one, I think was owned by the school, okay. the little elementary school that was there. But it was a string of three fields. And so the smallest one far, it was kind of a, a dirt field, smaller not that not that great then the middle one was a all dirt field but you know had more space in the outfield good grass but the the big field is what we called it which is funny because it's like a 200 210 foot fence (laughs) but when you're 12 years old um it was the big field and it was a grass infield oh with the mound so it was like this little and it was dug down so you've got stadiums up above like the the seating yeah uh bleachers were were up above and um just growing up, like we would progress up the fields. It was like six through six through eight would play at the little one, and then nine and tens would play at the middle, and then the eleven twelves would finally get to the big field. Oh man! And so, dude, the mound, yeah, awesome. It was pretty sweet. My older brother was in the same league, so I'd watch him play on the big field. And I'd always practice with his team. I practiced baseball probably every day of the night because I went to my practice and then I went to whenever my brother's practice was and played with them too. Wow. But yeah, watching them being on the big field and then finally arriving, you know. Were you a slider? Could you do the slide good? Oh, yeah. Oh, really? I had them all. I had, I had head first slides. 
I had pop-up slides with the feet first where you come in really hard and you hit the base and then you're like immediately up. Oh, that's right. And you're ready to, like, if they miss the ball, you're ready to run again. Yeah, yeah. And then I had the hook slide with the foot. I had the hook slide with the arm. Either this way. This is wild. I never way. even practiced anything except straight slide. And then you just had, yeah, you had, well, you had your takeout slide if you're breaking up a double play, coming in hard yeah. at the guy's shins. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, just slides trying to avoid Are the you tag coming and in hot in. like that for second base and home plate or just home plate? Depends. Okay. Dude, you're ruthless with the slide. Dude, I'm going to call yeah. you the slide master. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're now the slide master deacon. Uh, one of the uh, one of the tournaments, I think it was 12 state tournament, maybe regional tournament. Um, I remember coming in really hard at home plate, and this catcher just like arm barred me like in the face oh, yeah. <laughs> with the tag. And I can't even remember if I knocked the ball out or if he got me out or whatever it was, but... Like I think that was the hardest I ever got hit on in baseball. Oh, yeah. I don't think I got knocked out, but I felt it. And the idea of having to like really uh, guard that plate, yeah, it gets pretty physical down there. Mm-hmm. Can't you just tag them, or is it yeah. like you, the runner is trying to knock it out of your hands? Or rules have definitely changed. You or whatever. Uh, youth ball. When I was umpiring youth ball, uh, high school, college, I umpired as well, and. The rules changed where like there was no contact. If you if you went in hard trying to initiate contact as a um, as a runner, you'd yeah. be called out no matter what. But also the catcher was no longer allowed to block the plate. Um, so they had yeah. to, you had to have a, a slide path in, and so you'd have to like catch and then swipe your tag because I mean kids were getting hurt. Right. You know, I mean the, what you just but, described that story. I'm like imagining. Yeah. Both with concussions. Yeah. As I grew Both up in laying on 90s, the <laughs> early 2000s when, you know, we still played. Real ball, Real baby. ball. Real <laughs> ball. <laughs> no, it's good. Metal I, cleats, baby. Okay, so what about, uh, here's, I'm actually, I'm moving into, uh, out of baseball. Into the topic. Sorry, into you got me on baseball. Catholic man. stuff. Now, hey, man, that's what I wanted to hear. And <laughs> I wanted to reminisce with you because I know you're a baseball yeah. guy. And I was feeling the vibes, man, <laughs> in the fall. Um so the two are going to be one is about vestments and vesting prayers and then the other one is i'm just curious to know i had this thought come to mind that the deacons the permanent deacons that are assigned to our parish they all have liturgical responsibilities and then some particular service to the poor which is explicit in of course the the scriptural precedent for diaconate in the Acts of the Apostles mm. and in the tradition of the church. The deacons, I think of Deacon Lawrence, my mm-hmm. you know namesake. Um, they all had a role of as custodians of the poor and, and a special care for the poor. So I was wondering, is there any stress on that in the seminary? Not that they're, I'm not like trying to put you, judge you <laughs> or the seminary, but I was curious to know, like those guys all have a formal assignment to serve the poor. Yeah. And I don't know if they had you do that or this is just seen as like you're transitioning toward parochial ministry and that involves its own kind of built-in service yeah i'm trying to think back to my letters of assignment because as deacons even though we're in a transitional period uh, we have a assignment by the vicar for clergy and the bishop um, assigning us to a parish location with kind of responsibilities and i believe ours is to serve uh, assisted the mass um, during the weekend is the like the directive. Okay, I don't think there's an other like 
commanded. Yeah. Uh, or or um, but then I do think it's tough because we're we're like splitting our time between seminary as a student, and then you go over to the parish, and now you're trying to do deacon stuff. And a lot of those um, kind of rolling ministries happen during the week. So visiting the prisons, yeah. um, work at uh, the shelters, work with um, Christ in the city. Uh, I don't know what all the guys do. I do know a lot of the deacons do the prison ministry. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of like throughout the week. Hospital chaplaincy. Um, yeah. It can be like and, organizing food banks at your, at your yeah. parish. And, you know, care and of so, the sick and the elderly, that stuff. So that's there. We were told uh, to be generous and make ourselves available. Hey, there parish. you go. Um, but I, we were uh, not received any direct like on it. So. Okay. That is great. Uh, <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah, just purely know. a curiosity. Yeah. Um, now, vesting prayers. Do you pray the <laughs> vesting prayers? Like uh, a lot of priests do before mass when we're fasting. When uh, so caveat, um, people are going to realize I'm a terrible deacon, cleric. Uh, when, nah, hey, I'm not trying to. Do, when, I, I have not been consistent over the years. When two things happen, <laughs> I pray the vesting prayers. The first thing is when I am uh, responsible and get to the sacristy early before uh, serving mass right. or liturgy of the hours or whatever it might be. Um, so if I have enough time and I'm not like sprinting, and then if the uh, to my shame, I don't have them memorized. So if they have the vesting prayers printed out in the sacristy. Then you can just read them. Which, at our house chapel, we have them. Um, I don't have them at my parish right now. Lords, I think, do have them. I don't remember. Um, I'm going to, Father Trevor Lantine, a couple years ago, printed out the vesting prayers for other guys as an ordination gift and didn't do that for me. So I'm just going oh. to throw him under the bus. I'm going to blame him oh. for my lack of responsibility in, in learning. Did he pick <laughs> you not to give them to? No. I He's think like, I, I'm going to make them work. <laughs> I think our whole, he probably did. Jacob needs to learn. He's good at it. <laughs> but they are beautiful. Yeah. So the vesting prayers, just as by word of simple explanation, is... Um, well, if you want a video, I, so I went to look for kind of the basics on vestments mm-hmm. or see just to see what's out there on YouTube and vestments 101 came up <laughs> and it was about a 20 minute video that is all the very basics, but it happened to be, I was surprised because it was like one of the top um, videos that came up, maybe the top video. And it was one of my friends. Yeah. <laughs> Father John Mitchell in uh, Wisconsin a Milwaukee priest. He was J.P. Mitchell at one point when he was in seminary at SJV. And then he was uh, John Paul Mitchell for a while when he was at the <laughs> NAC or a priest in uh, at the North America, what a Casa Santa Maria. We lived together. And I got to go to his doctoral defense. Wow, so you were in seminary with him like a lot. It was a lot. Yeah. He was in my fraternal group for a couple wow. of years. Um or I was in his probably. He's the holy one. <laughs> and uh but it was awesome to see him there. And then this very basic video that's just like, here's what green means, here's what white means, here's what red, here's the prayers that we pray. Is uh it had like a quarter of a million views. Wow. Yeah. It was big time. Um as long as I'm here shouting you out though, uh Father John Paul Mitchell. You looked so corny when you <laughs> turn to the camera after putting on each of the chasubles and then do this like cheesy pose and they're taking pictures. You don't ever explain what they're taking pictures for, but it looks like one of those 
catalogs that we get for <laughs> vestments that are so cheesy. Uh, I don't know what was going on there, but you're a nerd. So I hope you know that. And congratulations. And thank you for the video. Okay. Vesting prayers. So there are prayers that you can pray that are kind of traditional prayers, devotional. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if they've, you know, the tradition has lasted for a long time, but while you're putting on each of the pieces of clothing, um, that the priest wears at the mass or the deacon wears in, you know, your case. So the, the prayers are not required. They're a nice way to get kind of in the, in the mood and in the mode of what's going on. But I thought just mentioning it on the podcast might be a helpful thing for people to know out of, you know, the rando Catholic stuff. Yeah. And what happens in the sacristy, because unless you're a priest or a deacon, you don't get you to see know. that piece. This is actually a Catholic thing you should know or might want to know. Yeah. <laughs> I get some grief sometimes about what, why do you say you should know? Those things are none of, none, none of what of you say is necessary <laughs> or important or profound. That's a little harsh, but yeah, I'm just, I do po- hear I'm, that. I'm pondering right now if should always carries the connotation of necessary. Yeah, right. Right. But I don't know. Well, we so we 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 piggybacked on stuff you should know. Yeah. And they were they was the same thing. They were basically telling you about et cetera things that you never you never thought about but you kind of took for granted in everyday life. <laughs> All right, so vesting prayers. There's one for you starts with the wash your hands. Yeah. And then there's a prayer that says, Give virtue, O Lord, to my hands, that every stain may be wiped away, that I may be enabled to serve you without defilement of mind or body. You know, um, washing rituals are are common to a lot of different sort of ritual prayers and practices throughout the world. Um, this is a way to just kind of focus and, you know... Um, step out of the the regular world and certainly mm-hmm. the world of sin and selfishness and then say, okay, I'm doing something different. I'm serving God and serving my yeah. neighbor with this. So I, th- I like to offer the mass and in, in an opening prayer for to the glory of God and the sanctification of his people. So to try to just remember I'm here for them, yeah. for God, for people. Yeah, I think the nice thing, going back to my uh, confession earlier of not doing this as much or as well as I should, um, with anything, especially when you're moving from one thing to the next, especially with the liturgy, um, sometimes it can become, oh, I've got to get in and do this other task. I've been studying all afternoon, and now I'm leading evening prayer for the house. Um, And it's like I can fall into the trap of, oh, this is just another, another job I have. But it's really it's participation in a liturgy not just a job. Yeah. And so taking this time for a buffer um, to prepare yourself, to, to think of an intention, to kind of slow down, to, to pause from whatever the work was to enter into this time that's different, which is liturgy, um, is a good thing. And I need to uh, convert more to that practice. Well, and it can be quick. Yeah. Like in this case, it's like wash your hands. Yeah. Or uh, the parallel might be when... Most people enter a church, they cross themselves with mm-hmm. holy water, bless themselves with holy yeah. water. And it's just a reminder of your baptism. It reminds it reminds us of our freedom. Mm-hmm. I'm not bound by sin. That's mm-hmm. outside of this door. Yeah. I'm not a slave to sin. I'm I'm free. And in reality, this is this is where I get real again. We put on the amice. So an amice is like a cloth 
that um, wraps around your neck. It's kind of a sweat absorber. Yeah. And also the prayer that goes with it, sometimes you tap your head with it before you put it on. Mm -hmm. And the prayer with it talks about this amos as a helmet of salvation. It says, Place, O Lord, on my head the helmet of salvation that I may overcome the assaults of the devil. So for me, that one is, okay, I've just left the world and my own kind of sinful self for the sake of the service of God and his people. Now, it's important for me to um, to acknowledge that I'm a part of this big spiritual invisible reality here. I didn't come here to make few people feel better. I didn't come here to just perform a task that I was asked to do. Um, I came here because there is a whole world and economy in which I operate that is different than the rest of the um, the rest of the world. I can often, because I'm just this way and I'm very practical, um, forget about the spiritual stuff and just think on like the psychological help that religious ritual is, or um, just the the idea that God is connecting with people and people are connecting with God without actually considering sort of the spiritual environment that yeah. I've entered into. You ready for this? I'm going to blow your mind with this callback. <clears throat> we were talking about leaves for a reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, What's we the were. purpose of the leaves? Is it some sort of biological evolutionary purpose or is it just because it's beautiful? And you said it's both. Oh, you're talking about them falling and everything and yeah. changing color. Yeah. I was like trying to think of what's the purpose yeah. of they're like little solar panels. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, well that too. Um no, I was just thinking you're like, oh, it could be artistic and functional. Mm. And vestments are that as well. Mm. And I think of I'm thinking of the Amos, right? Was uh, originally a head covering under the helmet for the Roman soldiers. Yeah. It's like a sweat rag slash more of a like a comfort buffer between the helmet and the head or something yeah. like that. That's what I was told. Um, and some other rights wear them. Cops wear them. Yeah. And so it's like the, the head covering the, the garment. Um, but then it became this liturgical kind of around the neck, kind of same thing, kind of a sweat. So there's like this practical element to it. Yeah. But then it's got this spiritual reality of like a visible sign, a, a sacramental type of sign, visible sign of a spiritual reality that you're doing. Yeah. And so it is both kind of this beautiful spiritual as well as just kind of a natural practical thing. Yeah, and an amice is an optional yeah. um, vestment. So mm-hmm. you don't have to wear it um, in part just because maybe yeah. it was primarily functional. Um, but it's, I think, become pretty commonplace. Yeah. So I we can take it as a, a and it's also pretty great well standard because, for the uh, clergy these days. As a sweat rag, <laughs> um, it... it gets dirtier faster than your alb and you don't have to wash your alb as much because oh, you can just keep exactly watching your amos. Yeah. Because so, um, you get the sweats. I, I, I don't want to go too the, deep the, into the, the sweats. The cope, no. <laughs> the cope is another one. We don't have a vesting prayer for the cope, but the cope oh, is like yeah. the big cape looking uh, vestment that you might see the priest or deacon wear. It's not used during the mass, uh, but it'll be used for like during adoration. Uh, it'll be used at blessings. Um, sometimes you'll see the priest yeah. and the deacon use it for baptisms. for baptisms. I just did a wedding uh, outside of a mass as a deacon. I can yeah, I can that's a cope. Uh, witness the wedding, so I have the option to wear the cope uh, instead of a, a dalmatic, which is the main vestment the deacon will wear. Um, side story: I was at the wedding and I was like getting getting uh, vested, and I had the cope kind of just over my arm. And one of the bridesmaids comes in and goes, 
oh, I just love the robes. They're so beautiful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, they're, they're pretty nice. She's like, she's like, I wish I could wear that. And oh, boy. Like, and she wasn't saying it in a political way. I think no, she was no, just, no, yeah, no. She was just I mean, like, wow, it's beautiful. It's so cool. But that's the thing is like the cope is literally just, it was a cape. It was a, it was more of like yeah. a outer garment, like rain hood, that like um, article of clothing yeah. that was around the Roman empire. It's that's just what people would wear. But then the priest who's traveling city to city, town to town, um, going to the communities, they've got this cope on. And so it yeah. started once it was less functional, it still carried this, uh, this connotation of the priest and, they started using it. We kind of spirit, spiritualized the the reason behind it, and then kind of yeah. made them look fancy and nice. And well, it's like the our black clerics. It was yeah. just like plain school clothes <laughs> it, uh, back in the sort of beginnings of the um, universities, and then priests w- wanted to just be kind of plain clothes. And now it has all this symbolism about, oh, well, it's death black, and death black to self means, and the collar. Yeah. Collar is a slave under well, the yoke no, of Jesus. it was just the design <laughs> or whatever, maybe. Okay, so we got that amos. We just talked about a cope. Um, another prayer, we'll talk about the, um, the alb. So next, a priest puts on the white garment. That's a garment of his baptism, and it's a garment that everyone receives, actually. Some places, some other rites in the world actually have all the Catholics wear white to Sunday, you know, celebrations, mm-hmm. liturgy, celebrate the Eucharist, um, or wear white all Sunday because that's the color of our baptismal garment, and a reminder. And the prayer says, Purify me, O Lord, from all stain and cleanse my heart, that washed in the blood of the Lamb I may enjoy eternal delights. And I like this one in particular. I see... I got used to doing a different one hmm. that was about putting on the new man. That was De Alba Me Domine Novum Hominem yep. Quia Secundum Deum Creatis Est and Sanctitate Justitia Veritatis. Amen. That was the one that I had been praying forever with the the alb. But that's more like put on Christ. I, I yeah. like this one because it talks about um, purify me, cleanse my heart, that I may enjoy eternal delights. Yeah. With the, the sanguine agni. De albatus, the, the cleansing yeah. of the blood of the lamb. Yeah, delight from revolution yeah, or re- revolution from revelation. Yeah, yeah. It's, they, w- it, they will be washed in the blood of the it's lamb. It's like I'm supposed to enjoy this. Yeah, I'm coming in to receive the bread of angels. Yeah, the gaudies, the joy. Yeah, and the supper of the lamb. So it's supposed to be a joy that I'm, I'm, you know, putting on that wedding garment and getting ready for the festivities. <laughs> you know, not to promote goofiness or something like that but i sometimes forget that i'm kind of like can be too intense about it i like the switch though from protect me from the devil with the amos and then turn my mind toward the uh eternal delights that i'm about to participate in and receive and have the pleasure of serving okay then you put on the cincture this is like the white um kind of belt rope that goes around your waist. The prayer says, Gird me, O Lord, with the cincture of purity and quench in my heart the fire of concupiscence, that the virtue of continence and chastity may remain in me. And thinking in this, I don't really think a lot about this stuff. It was kind of nice to pray and prepare for this mm. because I don't think too deeply. Obviously, it's like, well, God, help me to be chaste. 
Um, I'm trying to live this celibate life as purely as I can and keep my mind pure and my heart. And um, there's some, I don't know, like the practicals of there's beautiful women out there. Don't let me get distracted. Um, but I don't think that's really, I don't know too much of it, but I was thinking on this and I realized maybe my, my temptation where the cincture is, is really necessary here. I can get distracted um, Mm -hmm. by things, but with with the concupiscences, the environment itself is not really conducive to, I mean, you're not at the beach, so it's not like I'm real worried about that. But I do feel that I have struggles with vanity, Mm. struggles with vanity, like something about my becoming a priest in, there's lots of good reasons, but some of the fallen intention is like, I feel insecure about whether or not I'm appreciated or recognized for how awesome I am or um, admired. And these things, I don't want the, the, the mass and being in front and being leading at this prayer to serve the end of my own ego. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's not about now I have the eyes on me or people are listening to my voice. And there's these fake priests who are like, well, yeah, but if I turn around and I celebrate the mass the other way, then it's not about me. You're standing <laughs> in the very front. Yeah. Everybody's listening to your voice leading in prayer. Yeah. So I don't take that it one. It can be less distracting. Oh, so please. I hear. Yeah, but yeah, I don't yeah. know. Try I haven't done it yet. These guys are just know. into novelty. No. <laughs> it's pure novelty. Go ahead and do it. I don't care. It's, yeah. it's valid either way. But... Yeah. Um, I think it can be even more vain. Yeah. Look did, at me. Look at me. I'm doing something different than all those other priests. I had but no, anyway, I didn't yeah, mean yeah, to go down sorry, there. I sorry. was trying to like um, recognize. Pivot, pivot. No, no, no. I was trying to recognize my yeah. own, mm-hmm. you know, concupiscence there and the ways that I sort of break chastity of, I want love and this isn't the place for me to be desired. Mm-hmm. This is the place for God to be met and, um, and yeah, the leadership of the prayer should be a service to the church, not to yeah. my own ego or whatever. Yeah, which get into the heart of purity of heart, purity of vision, mm-hmm. focused on uh, God first, which so hard um, in our world of distractions. Every everywhere you look, mm. um, and I'm not talking like modern world; just our world is full of distractions. People, things, beautiful, wonderful things, um, enjoyable experiences. They're all it's like drawing your attention, and so the purity of heart is coming back to God. Again, so this prayer gives us that pause to like remember what we're doing. Like yeah. Suiting up, you know. Yeah, the cincture. Um, and and I'm going to... Do you find yourself distracted that way during Mass? All the when time. When serving? All the time. By I, the attractive women there or by... I'd be lying if I said no to that one. Yeah, of uh, course. But just everything. I mean, I... And I'll, I'll see... Um, yeah, somebody or a group or a family, there's anything could trigger, like just start kind of thinking about whatever. Yeah. And um, like, <laughs> I mean, there was one family that came in and this this boy was like pulling stuff out of the diaper bag, like just constantly. And then like the mom was having to put it back in. So this is like, this is less of a, you know, personal thing, but it's like an external thing that's somewhat distracting. And he's right in my eye line during the Eucharistic, prayers and I'm the deacon and I'm like I, I kind of come back to when it was like my time to pull the um the pall off the chalice the little white board above the chalice when I was supposed to take it off it's like there's like a kind of slightly more extended pause by father 
<laughs> because I've been like just watching this kid and so how easy it is yeah, to yeah. get distracted. But I mean, yeah, you could be distracted by a beautiful woman, you can be distracted by a family, you could be distracted by some you know, the, the uh, ushers fighting over something in the back. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, there's, there's a lot of things. There's so many things. Because when you're up there on the altar, you do kind of, you see the whole, and it's it's hard to not get distracted um, sometimes. Yeah. And then it'll just get worse, I can yeah. assure you. <laughs> but it, in really good ways, and I'm not sure what to make of this. I actually marvel at this regularly, that now once you've walked with this particular community for a while, now, like you said, there's a family there that I know. Well, imagine that with 100 people out yeah. there who you can see, oh, she has cancer and is struggling mm-hmm. with that. She just found out. Those guys just had a baby for the first time, and they're, like, ecstatic and scared. That um, that couple back there is ready for a divorce mm-hmm. and are fighting, you know, to yeah. stay together. And this, you know, this kid just he has got you know, their Christmas party coming up at school. And <laughs> it's just, like... Is that a distraction? Is that a beautiful thing? Is yeah. that a is that a like a a conviction from the Holy Spirit to pray and intercede for these people with this mass? You know, I I would lean towards the second. Um, obviously, our primary focus and intention should be is needs to be the the mass, the sacrifice. But seeing that and bringing that in, like I had one um, experience just a couple months ago where this family walked in and. Uh, their daughter looked like a doppelganger of this girl that I had met at a youth group um, and kind of had helped disciple and teach and catechize a little bit um, a few years back. And it just brought her to mind. And like she kind of had a really tough situation, life and everything. And so seeing this other family come in, yeah, that was, it distracted me because I was like, oh, (laughs) you know, that, that looks like so-and-so. But I, that was during the readings when I, I noticed that. And so I was actually able to take my other friend who I'd kind of journeyed and accompanied through some tough stuff with and hadn't, hadn't talked to in years, two, three years, um, but to take her to prayer and be like offer offer her and hope for the best, you know, that things these last two years have actually gone well. Um, so that did stir me and move me to prayer. Yeah. So I think that's a, a real thing and then as a as a father you're you're seeing your children and you're you know yeah you're delighting in the great things you're sorrowing over the sad things and you're carrying all of those to the altar which isn't another participation in you know may the sacrifice in your may our sacrifice in yours mm-hmm. you know it's the people's sacrifice and the priest may our sacrifice in yours yeah. be made acceptable and when you stand in persona christi m- most of the time people are like well that's a category that's about authority of Christ mm-hmm. or something, but you'll also find that the priestly heart has changed yeah. so that when you're in persona Christi, you're, you're also just sharing in his own heart and yeah. his love for people and that he cared, you know, he yeah. walked with people and um, cared about them. He knew them. And, um, and that same sort of love exists in a very mysterious way. Yeah. Um, yeah, that conformity to Christ and desire to bring all people to the Father. Yeah. All right, uh, what, good what, tangent. That was the to the stole to the stole. I lost my. You got the prayer. Yep. I did. My as phone as out. the stole is one. Do you want English or Latin? Um, English. Lord, restore the stole of immortality, which I lost through the actions of our first parents. 
And although I am unworthy to approach your sacred mysteries, may I gain eternal joy. Mm-hmm. Is that the one you've got? Yeah, it's, yeah. it's pretty close. Yeah, yeah. So the last two, there's the stolen and the chasuble prayers. Mm-hmm. And I always think of the stolen and its symbolism as a yoke yeah. of, um, of Christ. That's the way Father John Paul Mitchell talks about it and the way I more often than not think of it. Um, but then the chasuble prayer has this thing about the yoke. So um, I'm not sure which these prayers are pointing to, but I tend to think of the stole as a, um, a yoke is like what you use to carry something. And Father John Paul used the image of a bucket. You bring your yoke and you mm-hmm. carry the buckets of water uh, from outside of the town into the town or from the, the well to your house. And this, the water as a, something of a symbol of you, you're carrying the tears of the people to, to God. Hmm. And you're carrying the graces of God, often depicted as the water or the Holy Spirit, often depicted as water, to the, to the people. So the priest is this kind of bridge who shares in the work of Christ to mediate between humanity and, and God. Do you think I I'm, I came up with the tears thing, <laughs> no, but like he used that, yeah. the the yoke as a carrying a bucket, mm-hmm. and I tend to think of it as like pulling a plow with an ox or something. <laughs> but the bucket thing is cool. I'm, that's I'm I'm playing with that right now. Uh, but this one says the stole of immortality. So somehow, um, <laughs> this was a sign of authority. I bet it has something to do with Roman garb and authority. I think it also had the Jewish priesthood. Well, the ephod, the last piece, the chasuble, is definitely Jewish. Yeah. But I wasn't sure about the, the stole. I'm not sure where historically it comes from. So this is less informative. This is not Catholic stuff you should know. This is <laughs> Catholic stuff you should teach us, I guess. <laughs> Catholic stuff you should research and email us about. No. Um, I've heard that the stole, or I've been taught that the stole without historical setting the stole is the a symbol of authority the authority of the priest mm-hmm. um and then the chasuble is a symbol of charity the charity of priest which goes over everything so uh the yeah the charity oh authority and charity yeah, all all is ordered by charity mm-hmm. all is ordered to charity um so authority is only used under charity uh, or for the means of charity. And so that's a corrective to this, yeah, the the priest is authority figure and corrector. And it's like, no, it's, it's the charity of Christ. Uh, it's the love of God is the, the end, the beginning and the end of the Christian life. Mm. Um, as Paul said, if you do all these works, St. Paul, if you do any of these works, all these works without charity, you're a resounding gong. Yeah. And here we mean charity, caritas, love, the divine love, um, not just like charitable almsgiving, it's part of it, but love, uh, love of God in and through all of our other actions. So when we are authorities, our authority needs to be enacted as God in charity, for God, who is charity. Um, it's, I don't know. Yeah. So I mean, like he that, even but, literally, Paul says, um, over all these put on love, love and this agape, it, it, the word for put on is, I think, the same, peripoluni, or um, I'm not sure. Uh, but it's, yeah, the same kind of derivative. Okay, so the stole of immortality. You could also say when he says restore, 
or where the prayer says, restore the state of immortality lost by my first parents. It's like there's a dignity that's coming back in the Christian life. And that would be a reminder that the priest is wearing for all the people. Um, Yeah, that's just like the alb. The alb is a reminder for everybody. And each of these are vestments that should enter into the heart of everyone who's worshiping God at Mass. Okay, finally, the chasuble. Uh, the priest puts on this colorful outer garment that's either green, red, uh, white, or purple, violet, purple, or pink rose, pink rose, black, or black. Um, gold. Yeah. Um, little Marian, which is white with white with blue. blue or gold with blue. So uh, the chasuble is on top. O oh Lord, you said, my yoke is sweet and my burden light. Grant that I may carry it so as to obtain your grace. Amen. And so you're sharing in the work of God, and that work of charity is ultimately what it, the whole Christian life is about. Now, the colorful outer garment is um, some way symbolically representative. It's, it's kind of um, metaphorically representative and artistically mm-hmm. to the ephod that the high priest would wear in Israel with 12 jewels on the front of it, one for each of the 12 tribes of Israel, who the high priest was interceding for when the rituals, uh, the temple rituals were given to, um, mm-hmm. to Israel at Sinai. So it's a reminder that the priest is interceding for the people and praying for them and lifting them up. So that's where I'm kind of like, well, if this is ultimately an act of charity that the priest is this bridge and is bringing the needs of the people to God, I kind of like that um, (laughs) distraction of um, seeing the people out there and their needs. And that doesn't need to be like necessarily during Mass. It's like you should call to mind your intentions Mm -hmm. before Mass anyway. So that need not be a distraction, but it's definitely your role. It's like you're the head of this community praying, you know, leading in prayer, but praying for, I know, mm-hmm. so that you're sharing in the yoke of Jesus and really in all things. Um, yeah. So those are, those are the vesting prayers. Vesting prayers. Do you have any for dalmatic and sideways stole? Uh, the stole is the same. The only one that changes is the dalmatic prayer. Uh, the deacon. So the, the biggest way to visual difference between the, uh, dalmatic and the chasuble is the dalmatic has arms, whereas the chasuble is. And this, just kind of what flying. we're talking about, dalmatic is the vestment that lo- would look like a chasuble, but it's only worn by the deacon. Yeah, so it's what the deacon wears during mass or a couple of the times. I mean, uh, they can do them for weddings as well, but um, it's principally the liturgical garb for the mass itself. Um, but the deacon's prayer for when he puts the dalmatic on, is, Lord, vest me in the garment of salvation, the vestment of joy. May I always be surrounded with the dalmatic of justice. Whoa. Um, so I think there's an element of the deacon as servant, mm. uh, which you're talking at the yeah, very beginning. Joy and um, huh? the, the service to the poor, justice, is yeah. an element of the deacon to be to remember make his, things his right. servant. His service is to, to make things right, to give what is due, to go be at service of uh, the community. Um, and then there's a joy with it and surrounded surrounded by this. Well, you're wearing a cope and you're fighting for justice. It sounds like a superhero. <laughs> Deacon. Deacon slide master. What were you? <laughs> yeah. So I was trying to pull up the, uh, the Catholic Encyclopedia stuff on the stole. 
uh, while you're talking there at the end because there's yeah it's it's used the history of the storm. there's there's some theories around uh kind of the the jewish prayer um shawl like shawl, it's yeah. Name shawl. Yeah, yeah um a similarity with that um it, there's some theories around it's kind of like the the not the armament but um kind of like the uh <laughs> like a tool belt almost oh. of of uh um kind of in secular use um so I don't know. It doesn't really say. The Eastern Church has documents of using it as early as the fourth century, I think, is what it was saying. Oh, okay. So it's it's pretty ancient. Um, the stole of the deacon was described before the stole of the priest in the Eastern Church documents we have. Hey. Um, but for the church, what the, what it means in the church is it is a sign of uh, rank within orders. Um, so you've got the, oh, okay. the authority. It, it, there's an authority character to it. Yeah. Um, it's a, a symbol. So the, the deacon stole goes from uh, the left shoulder across to the right hip, um, kind of across the chest. And then the priest stole is, goes around the neck and both flow to the front. Um, you can cross them uh, at the front or let them hang freely. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, it, it, it looks more like the yoke than the, the chasuble. But yeah, the chasuble has I, the yoke prayer, so... So, yeah, I'm not sure how those got mixed yeah. up. I asked today at Chaos, we have pizza with yeah. uh, the other priests, and um, everybody prays the prayer, and no Nobody one knew. <laughs> what it, like, why? That's a pretty good mindset <laughs> to think and ponder and discover things around the, the history of the faith. But Hey, man, it's good to talk to you again. To it's good to catch up with you. And I hope that was interesting. Inter- inter- interesting. What are you talking about? I'm getting tired. Uh, hope that was interesting for everybody. Yeah, the vesting prayers. Yeah, vesting prayers. We kind of just kind of rolled into it, and yeah. uh, hopefully, I mean, it's not terribly practical because <laughs> not everybody is praying those vesting prayers. Yeah, but maybe we ca- we caught some bits for the for the lay people of a sort of spirit of bringing into the mass. Yeah, and everybody prays with all those different elements, and then also just here's some interesting stuff about yeah inside knowledge or whatever. Yeah, no, I think general principles for the Christians remember uh, remembering your baptism. Mm-hmm. You um, put on a white garment. That's the symbol of the alb. Uh, so recalling that when you come to the Mass, recalling your baptism. Um, and then as, as priest, prophet, and king, entering into the, the world, entering into the Mass, um, yeah, just kind of making those intentions. Bring intentions, uh, a, yeah, a recollection of I'm going to actually participate. I'm going to engage. I'm going to listen uh, to the reading. I'm going to I'm going to ponder it. I'm going to try and offer whatever I had this week, bringing it to the the altar. Just kind of like having that that pause, that buffer as you mm-hmm. come in. And that might be yeah for walking in with the uh, the sign of the cross and the holy water. That could be the moment to kind of like just recollect and. Yeah, I'm stepping out of the world into the yeah. a piece of heaven. Because I do that sanctuary, and then I've got a work to do. I've yeah. got a work to do, and that's interceding participating for in people and honoring mass. God. Yeah, because yeah. I just dip my hand in the holy water font and make the sign of the cross and move on. And it's like a, it's just a yeah, habit. And just find so. out if some if the priest says something yeah. interesting. Yeah. You know, receive the Eucharist and you know feel spiritually nourished. And so there's there's more. That praying the mass well is, I think, the key. Yeah. When people are asking me, oh, like, how do I grow in the spiritual life? And a lot of people are asking for spiritual direction and all that stuff. I'm like, just 
let's work on learning to pray the mass well and ask yourself, go to mass and ask yourself, am I praying this well? Have I taken all the advice that I've been told over the course of the years? And the more and more you come to understand the mass and pray it well, the more you're growing in the spiritual life and carrying out your mission. And that's, um, growth and sanctity staying close. Okay. Amen. What else you got? What are you going to do this weekend? You're doing, doing great things for God. Ooh. Yeah, I've got a <laughs> I've got a quinceanera this weekend. All Not right. really a liturgy, but a blessing yeah, uh, yeah. with a, a liturgy of the word. Um, I've got a mass with the seminary. We're doing uh, kind of all, all parish mass. Um, I'm going to a friend's daughter's two-year-old birthday party. Okay. Um, Va a predicar en español <laughs> al quinceanera. Sí, voy a predicar. In, in La Quince. No, the, <laughs> I, I preached to the parents for about two minutes in Spanish. Uh-huh. And then all of the quinceaneras, all the 15-year-old girls uh, and their friends all speak English. So I kind of like do an introduction in Spanish. And then I go like preach specifically to the quinceanera, yeah, the, yeah. the girl. And I go to English because <laughs> I'm yeah, much yeah. more confident. Well, and they probably yeah. understand that better anyway. Yeah. You should talk about the los las el la flor el flor el la flor las flores yeah. de Guadalupe de Tepeyac <laughs> yeah I love to talk about the flowers of Tepeyac Hill yeah. so that's not you don't have to but that's a recommendation <laughs> anyway any shout outs other than Caleb our guy Caleb and Father John Paul Mitchell yeah well since I said I'll shout out uh, Jordan and Teresa their daughter Josie two years old. That's their second kid. They have another, a third on the way. Um, I'll be doing that baptism, hopefully, they asked me. So, um, yeah, shout out to the Sullivan family. And I want to shout out all of you kids out there who play baseball. If you are listening to this right now and you play Little League Baseball, raise your hand and give me a wave. You're the coolest. I'm waving to you right now. Have a great, uh, go hit a home run. <laughs> Amen. All right. Thanks for listening. It's been Catholic Stuff You Should Know. Reach out at catholicstuffpodcast at gmail.com. Like and subscribe (laughs) and hit the bell. Smash that subscribe (laughs) button. All right. Uh, God bless you, everybody. Happy fall. fall.